0: And and frankly, I think that we can bring a real scarcity mindset and mentality to our investments when we feel like we have to like squeeze the very last drop. It's like the equivalent of going to an all you can eat buffet and just like gorging yourself. And it's like, OK, just because I can have 75 pieces of chicken and all the <laughs> soft serve that I want doesn't mean that's the best choice for me right now. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Beyond Networking, the show where we help you build a sustainable career in an unpredictable world with the power of human connection. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and today's guest is Kate Scudder. Kate is a Forbes featured seven figure business coach for women, and in her words, your excuse's worst nightmare. But back when we met in 2019, she was in distress. Kate had been invited to deliver a TEDx talk and suddenly found herself in unfamiliar territory. She was a master at riffing on live streams and she had a sizable social media following, went from quitting the nine to five to multiple six figures as a business coach in just a few years. And she did that leaning hard on her magnetism and charisma grounded in sharp intellect. But a TED talk? That's a whole different ballgame requiring precision and rehearsal. In just two months, we clarified her big idea, structured the talk, and wrote the script. Living in Connecticut, I actually had the honor of traveling to upstate New York to watch her deliver the talk live and in person on The Red Dot, which is something I rarely get to do with my international coaching clients. And within just 10 months of that night, Kate transformed her business into a seven-figure global empire. Today, she's a millionaire CEO a mom to the most adorable little girl born just a week after my son, and she's got another on the way. In fact, during this conversation, she's super pregnant, so we can all appreciate her for that. In this conversation, Kate and I pull back the curtain on the coaching industry. What is a business coach? When do you know you need one? And what should you expect from a coaching relationship? She also explains the difference between one-on-one and group coaching, both for those thinking of joining a coaching program, and for coaches deciding what type of program to offer their clients. And of course, Kate shares her story of a chance encounter with lasting impact. Plus, stick around all the way to the end because she gives a super inspirational piece of advice to young professionals trying to make it in this increasingly chaotic and isolated world. Head to the show notes for all the ways to connect with Kate, including her TEDx talk, Rising as a Risk, Do It Anyway. And now please enjoy this deep dive into the world of coaching with my dear friend, Kate Scudder. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm thrilled to see you again. We've seen a lot of each other recently.
0: I know, it's so good. Thank you so much for having me, Brian.
1: Oh, this is this is a pleasure. I can't wait to dive into to so many interesting things with you. But before we get into any of that, like what's on your plate right now, like this week, what are you working on?
0: Um... (laughs) I'm going to Barcelona on Thursday um, for the weekend for a client meeting. I have a 17-month-old who is currently teething and going through a bit of a regression. We're prepping for our biggest hype event. We currently have close to 800 people in it um, next Monday. And I'm entering my third trimester and we're renovating a house. So, so pretty just, much you, know, you have an empty out. calendar, exactly <laughs> just- <laughs> doing nothing. I'm like, I am ready for the day when I have nothing. Go like literally, I don't know what to answer. I'll, I'm like maybe reading a novel, but yeah, right now it's not that. <laughs>
1: I remember seeing a meme, I don't know, a couple years ago, that was something like, I think being adult is just saying, but after this month, things settle down over and over until you die, right?
0: (laughs) That You cannot even, I, that is so relevant for me right now. It's not even funny. I feel like I told myself, February is crazy. And then here we are nearly at the end of March. And I'm like, wow, March is crazy too. And April is filling and then it's May. And then I'm having a baby. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and you're not going to stop. I know you when you have it. I mean, you you. but you've done this once now. So do you have a an, an action plan? I know you got a great team. Do you have a plan for actually being able to really just focus and not have to run the business for a little bit?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. My team is amazing. We've like at the beginning of March, we sent out our maternity leave plan to all of our clients. Um, they're really going to run the show while I'm out so I can just be in that like beautiful mama bubble. Um, so yes, we definitely have a plan in place, both in the business and in, in terms of help at home. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that time.
1: That's great. It's great to have a team that you can actually count on to, to do that. I think that's, that's a a pipe dream for a lot of people is to have a team that they can count on so much that you don't have to be in the room and things can actually keep going. Um, I'm, I wasn't planning on asking about this, but since you mentioned that, I'm just kind of curious. Do you have any advice for somebody who's just at the early stages of entrepreneurship or starting to build a team or getting VAs to to build that level of of trust and, I don't know, expertise that carries through?
0: Yes, it's such a great question. And it's so important, frankly, for entrepreneurs who want to scale. I mean, I started... When I started my business, the very first person that I hired, other than a coach, was a graphic designer. Because I am like a crazy artist, visionary, but my graphic skills... I should, I should submit some art, original art, Brian, so you can put it in the show notes. It literally is kindergarten level. Like, it's not even funny. I had to do a drawing for one of my coaches in another program, and it literally looks like a kindergarten drawing. So anyway, that was like the first hire that I made was a graphic designer to help me match the vision in my head with anything that could possibly communi- be communicated um, in the form of visuals. But very slowly after that, I started to add in more people in the business. A VA... Um, Um, I think then our next hire was a social media manager. Then once we had a few other people on the team, it became time to hire an OBM, an online business manager. And um, I've made basically every mistake when it comes to teams. So we could have an entire conversation about this. Now I can honestly say my team is truly like a well-oiled machine. Um, the biggest piece of advice that I'll give, and I did a, I can send you the link. I did a podcast really, um, early on, I think it was in like 2019 called delegation equals dollars. And it's all about how to delegate, how to find the right team member, a couple of really useful exercises to go through. So that might be a great resource for your listeners, Mm -hmm. um, that I'm happy to share. But I, you know, really early on, I realized that, not the way, like there's so many different ways to set up team. There is no one right way. So the most important thing to understand is your leadership style. Like I am not that person who is going to go into ClickUp or Asana or any project management tool. I have, I have business coaching clients who are, you know, CEOs and they love the project management. They love to get in there. For me, my team knows that I don't want to be in the nitty gritty. Like I want to communicate with them in Slack. I want, really quick turnaround um, in terms of response time, but I don't want to be like managing the nitty gritty. And I know that about myself. I know that about my leadership style. I am also a manifester in human design. I am like the kind of person that is, again, operates in these really creative bursts. And I need a team that can really complement a lot of that like creative visionary energy that I have and bring that more integrator side. And so I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of expensive mistakes, but we've been able to cultivate a team over the past several years, and our OBM last year transitioned to a full-time director of operations. So we have one full-time employee, and then the rest are contractors um, who work anywhere between 10 and 60 hours a month in the business, and then a full-time, one full-time employee um, but that's really just been a process of figuring out, again, like, it's not about somebody who can show you all the fanciest talk. It's about do you vibe with them? Do you have rapport? Do you understand yourself and your leadership style? Yeah. And do you have really clear communication and expectations? And that's really the foundation of an amazing team. Not to mention buy-in to the vision of your company. Like, people yeah. at my company don't just, like work for me for a paycheck. They work for Kate Scudder International. They're passionate about supporting women to use their gifts to build a profitable, purpose-driven business that changes the world. Like, they're bought in, not just to me as a leader, but to the mission that we stand for.
1: I I, so, so many interesting things there. That last thing you just said for me, when I made my first hire and I took an embarrassingly long amount of time to, in my career to finally do that. Like, I mean, when we first met, it was one of the first, you were like shaking my shoulders over lunch. Like you need to hire somebody. <laughs> totally. And it's gonna be like three more years before I finally did it, uh, until I was literally drowning. And I think I, I was going to say I got lucky on my first hire worked out so well, but what I What I did for that first hire is when I put out the the open call, the job listing, whatever, I really didn't put on the job listing the skills that I needed because I figured most of the skills I need, I could I could teach anybody, anybody could do that high schooler could do them. You know, ultimately, what I was trying to focus on was this is what my brand, my mission stands for. This is what I'm trying to build. This is the dent in the universe I'm trying to make. And does this sound like something you you also want to help me build? Like, do you want to dedicate yourself to this and live these values and, and principles? And I found two people that just gel really, really well with that. I think that's, it was so valuable to do that.
0: That's so great, yeah. yeah. And I think the it's, it's interesting, like, you know, higher for skill, higher for personality. There are definitely things you can teach, skill being one of them. Um, and I think it really depends on the role in the business. Like, I personally would not, hire a tech expert, like a tech our tech VA, for example, and like with with zero skill and expect that to skill <laughs> them up because right. I don't possess those skills. I'm hiring right, right, that right. person to have that skill set. But um but for you know my right hand woman, you know, she can learn how to use whatever tool. Um it's that buy-in. So I think that you're a hundred percent right with that. And I'm so glad that you found those people. And I think that it's good to know different roles require different things and make sense to pay more attention to certain things as you're hiring that particular role like i wouldn't hire a podcast edit- editor that i had to train to edit podcasts
1: <laughs> right right no doubt that that's that's a good that's a good correction on that. the kind of people i were hiring were not to do hyper technical stuff like that because those are actually things i enjoy and i'm trained in so i'm still right. doing the hyper technical stuff i needed people to management my manage my life, basically, like, and go into the project management software and that I can only pop into once in a blue moon and just make sure everything looks right. Uh, But other than that, my schedule stays stays on track. I mean, so so here's the thing Uh, the at this point, folks listening will have heard my three sentence intro before this episode. But but I want to hear from you, you know, if if you bumped into somebody at a cocktail party or social gathering, now that that's a thing we can kind of do again, sort of for a little while. Uh, these days. And, and they said, you know, what do you do? What's your answer these days?
0: So interesting. I tend to be in an instance like that. Um, I feel like I say less is more. I definitely feel, and this will, I'm speaking the human connection here, language here, Brian, but like interested is interesting. I probably wouldn't go on a big diatribe about what I do. I would say, oh, I'm a business coach. I help female entrepreneurs, grow and scale companies. Um, That's literally probably what I would say. And if they ask more questions, I would share more. But what I'll do here for the purposes of this being a podcast and not a cocktail party is uh, elaborate on that a little bit. So I have been running my company now for it's going to be five years in May, which is just crazy. I started my business. Thank you. It's crazy how time flies. It also is going to be my five-year wedding anniversary in August, which is just like, what? <laughs> Lots of anniversaries happening. Um, but anyway, I started my business from Bali. I was living there as an expat, working another job to save up enough money to finally be able to launch this thing after sitting on the sidelines honestly, a slate for... Over a year and a half, watching other women be a brand, feeling like, oh well, there's there's one really inspiring female leader empowerment person. I guess the world doesn't need more of us. Um, and just doing this like ping pong back and forth thing with myself of, am I really ready to do this? And it was May of 2017 that I finally launched my business. Um, you know, we scaled to six figures within the first year. Um, Got a feature in Forbes shortly after that. Scaled to multiple six figures our next year. And we're now going strong, multiple seven-figure company after, you know, five years, which is just incredible. And serve clients from, I've had clients from literally every continent, including Antarctica, which was, I mean, not like a native Antarctican, but she, we had like client who like what, traveled to Antarctica for like a stint and lived there short term. I was like, yes, we got all seven. Um But um, no North Pole yet, still waiting on that one. But anyway, just have served women from all over the world, from everything from, oh my God, I'm going back to our TED Talk, Brian, digital marketers and dog walkers, but literally like (laughs) every kind of coaching consultant and mentor under the sun, um, brick and mortar, retail companies, network marketing. There's just been so many different kinds of businesses, startups that I've worked with. My passion really is supporting the CEOs of those companies, mostly female leaders, to become the most emboldened version of themselves so that they can create the kind of impact that they want, truly turn their online business into a movement, not just a, a business and a brand, but an actual movement that creates a lot of buy-in, a lot of momentum, and waves of ripples that really do change the world and you know at at the same time make a shit ton of money hopefully i can start on your show
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely great absolutely. i don't think there's too many seven-year-olds listening to this uh that's show good about yeah. going beyond Pro- maybe about
0: <laughs> yeah maybe above their heads <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Okay. I mean, this is all fantastic. And I think the, 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 the question a lot of people have when they hear the term business coach and hear the kind of things that you're doing, you're describing is they just think, what is that? Is that a real thing? Isn't that just some sleazy Instagram ad that always shows up? Like, what, what is that? So like, like, can you answer, like, what are some of the the biggest misconceptions you hear about business coaches and, and, Explain some of those for us.
0: Totally, I love this because I think that anything that feels foreign or that feels new or that feels almost like too easy, I think it's easy to have a quizzical eye and a raised eyebrow and be like, "What is going on there?" Um, I think that a lot of misconceptions around business coaches are that that we don't do anything for our clients. I think that when, in reality, you know. If you look at any industry, you look at Silicon Valley, you look at titans of industry across industries in this country, like the highest level people running all of those companies have coaches. And they're not, you know, an Instagram business coach, you know, marketing masterminds and stuff like that, but they're paying their coaches, their consultants, their advisor hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to like pop on the phone with them when they need them. And I think the point of this, Brian, is like we all need mentorship, bounce, um, to get outside the echo chamber of our own brains and in order to bring forth the highest and best version of ourselves, the, the most critical thinking, the most creative thinking, the most, um, resilient and, and innovative and, um, dynamic leaders that we can possibly be. I think, you know, the phrase, it's lonely at the top. I think, I think about that a lot as it relates Mm. to my business and the kinds of women that I serve. I, when I started my business, I worked with a lot of women who didn't have businesses yet. And were just starting to, to like begin and visualize, like, what can I do with my gifts? I have some courses and programs and things like that for people who come into my world and are at that stage. But now, all of the live coaching that I'm doing is with established business owners. And what I see is that the the misconception is like, oh, once I know how to do X, Y, Z thing, I won't need a coach or like it would be a bad investment to hire a coach. And it's like that thinking could not be further from the truth in my experience, both in terms of serving my clients, but also in terms of Myself as a client, like I invest six figures a year cash in coaching because I know the compound return of that investment is astronomical, is so, so high. And me having that support, it not only makes me a better mentor and space holder for the clients that I serve, but it it enriches me in so many other ways that I can't even begin to quantify Like there's no way I could be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have... That support in my corner as well. And so I think another big misconception is like once you learn the ropes, you can do it all by yourself. And I think that's a really big myth that a lot of, especially American entrepreneurs, you know, we're so obsessed with the pull yourself up by your bootstrap narrative. Um, I just think that it's ready. Like we're entering a paradigm. We're already in a paradigm where that gets to die and we get to rise in collaboration. We get to rise supported. We don't have, we're not trying to prove our, you know, toxic independence anymore. We get to rise in this really interdependent, supported, nourished, healthy nervous system kind of a way. And I mean, that is so much more exciting to me
1: so many interesting things about what you just said. And I'm thinking about my own journey going uh, first, becoming a client of coaches, because I the reason I framed the question the way I did is that's how I thought for so many years. I was like, oh, this this coaching thing is just crap. I remember thinking that for so many years. Why would I? This is just nonsense. And then when I was I for a couple of years after transitioning from magic into speaking, my speaking wasn't going as well as I Uh, uh, monetarily as I wanted it to be, I thought, well, I'll just take everything I learned in magic because I was successful there and apply it to speaking. But it turns out totally different industry, totally different rules. And I really was starting to beat my head against the wall going, how come this 10 years of knowledge I have running a business as a magician isn't translating? What's wrong? Mm. I finally cracked and hired someone. And at the time I was um, I wasn't struggling, but I wasn't killing it either. And my wife was in her master's and I was supporting us both full time as she was you know, fiance at the time or whatever. And I remember investing, I don't know, $5,000. And the dollar amount doesn't matter, but relative to my life at that time in our it was high. It was a lot, totally. it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. And I remember being very nervous about spending that. And it was, you know, something like a three-month program and it was one-on-one and all kinds of cool stuff. And what tell me if this rings true for you, because this is the first experience I had, was I remember thinking that what I was paying for was the three months, was the amount of time and the amount of sessions I was getting. And then what I realized was, in retrospect, it was one thing he said in one session once mm. that ended up that ended up being what not just was worth five grand, but ended up being worth hundreds of thousands of dollars over the next year or two. It was just one thing in one session. And the three months for me felt like, it was just designed to have the space to find the thing that was gonna make the difference. Mm, and that's that's so, that's so I started thinking about coaching.
0: I love that perspective. I've never thought about it that way. I do think, however, that if you're going into a coaching, if anyone is going into a coaching container, looking at the sum total of the value or the total value of the, the program or the investment being the sum total of Zoom calls, trainings in the resource library, minutes of voxer messages back and forth you're missing the point it isn't about and and frankly I think that we can bring a real scarcity mindset and mentality to our investments when we feel like we have to like squeeze the very last drop it's like the equivalent of going to an all-you-can-eat buffet and just like gorging yourself and it's like okay just because I can have 75 pieces of chicken and all (laughs) the soft serve that I want doesn't mean that's the best choice for me right now um you know, like, w- it's not actually about squeezing every ounce or every drop. And I have to say that to clients who, um, you know, I check in with in Voxer and they're like, sorry, I haven't messed And I'm like, it's totally fine. Like, there's zero pressure. I'm just here. I want you to know if there's anything you need. I've got you. Um, but for most of my clients and, you know, it sounded like for you at this time and for the women that I serve now, they're busy. They're CEOs. They're running companies. They don't need to be sucking, uh, you know, every ounce of life force out of the container because they paid for it. They're paying for for me in their pocket. They're paying for that proximity. They're paying to have a partner, a resource, a bounce, a strategist, a creative partner, a visionary, a confidant to be able to, you know, have the conversation that will spark the one thing. And hopefully there will be multiple one things over the duration of a container. Um, But you're so right that it's not about like every single call that you're paying for. You're paying honestly for the relationship and for everything that that relationship will open up. That is what coaching is. And that's the power of it.
1: Yeah. That's so, it's so well said. And I, and, and learning that then years later, when I started getting asked to, to coach people, I wasn't trying to become a coach. Just people started reaching out like, Hey, you have this big TEDx talk. Can you coach us? Can you coach me? Whatever. And I just had to I kept that in the back of my mind in terms of me transitioning into coaching, like, how do I want to show up? How do I want to do this thing? And for me, it's it's very much became that I remembered that experience. And I've had many of them since then in different ways as as myself hiring coaches. And yeah, it, it really changes it when you think about this is not it's something you said to me because because you and I have hired each other, you know, for and that's that's the other mm-hmm. thing that I, I wanted to bring up. There is so much of coaching is about. Not about the fact that someone else is it, there's is so much smarter than you. It's so it's just that everyone has different experience and, and different expertise. And it's like, yeah, why, totally. why would I spend five years beating my head against the wall when this person has all that expertise and can, can just talk me through it from, from their point of view? And, and so when you needed to give a TEDx talk, you hired me. When I needed to, to uh, transition, my, when my, my entire business fell apart in the first month yeah. of COVID, and i had zero income with a baby on the way and no prospects and i was sweating through clothes 15 times a day going what am i going to do you were the first call and we got on and we did and we did a deep dive and you you in a just very short amount of time built the foundation for me of the tools and the strategies but the mindset of how to approach moving forward and that mindset uh was worth every everything it was worth everything and and totally. and so the different levels of expertise and expertise in different areas of life, I think are, are that's another place that the coaching becomes so valuable.
0: Oh my gosh, so much. And it is so relieving. And this goes back to like, not needing to be like toxically independent or like great at everything. It's like, why would we waste our time, energy, life force effort, trying to be experts at anything when we could really go deep at what we're great at. And, higher support and you know the first objection or like story that comes up there for people is I literally just did a post about this earlier today before we went live is like oh well wouldn't it be nice to do that if you're just like sitting on a pile of cash or Gee, Kate like you run a multiple seven-figure company it's so easy for you to say that and I'm like no 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 did you miss the part where like five years ago I was literally sitting with like less than five thousand dollars in my bank account a hippie in Bali no freaking idea what I was doing like I have just built this thing one step after the next, after the next, one risk, one scary investment, one practicing exactly what I'm preaching and teaching right here. Um, you, you will exponentially grow your resource pool when you start to have this mindset and when you start, and it doesn't mean, you know, hire the six figure coach or hire a team of 10 when right. you're just starting out, like, unless you have right. those resources, in which case, awesome, do that. But if most, for most of us, we don't. So you can build incrementally, but it's, it really is a shift in mindset from this is irresponsible. I mean, I even remember chatting with you, Brian, like, and I, you know, obviously I was also pregnant at that time. Our kids are born like super within a super short time <laughs> like, period of weak, each other. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. Yeah.
0: And, and like had so much compassion for that, like daddy fear, like you're the provider of like, okay, I like, I know I need this now more than ever. And this is the time that it stings more than ever to like, see those dollars, leave my account. And yet it's the most important time to do it.
1: That I got invited within three months of the the pandemic happening. So I started getting invited in so many podcasts because I had very visibly pivoted very successfully as a, as a speaker. I went back to magic a little bit, whatever I needed to do. But I was really publicly, very successfully pivoting in a way that many people weren't who are in my space, the live entertainment space that disappeared, uh, the live event space that disappeared. And everybody asked me, how did you do it? How did you do it this fast? And I told the story of hiring a coach, uh, which of course was you. I told the story of hiring a coach and I was was trying to describe to people like 18 months of income and the entire industry globally in which I've lived and worked in for 15 years fell out. So there were no prospects. There was no guarantee any money was ever coming. And in that moment, I spent money. The first move I made was to spend money because I knew that I didn't have a year to figure it all out. Yes, I needed I needed everything you could. And I didn't just need. Here's what's even more important. What you didn't give me was all the information. What you gave me was the only information I needed at that moment to make the next step. And that's a lot of the power of coaching is the curation, the what do you? What does this person need to know right now and not get buried in all the information that exists?
0: Totally. And I think this is a really great point for anybody who's listening and like, okay, I know I need support, but what kind of support? You know, there's all sorts of different investments that a person can make in their business, whether it's starting, pivoting, transitioning, scaling. Um, you can take a course and learn phenomenal information, and there are still courses that I buy, like I'm in business and in life. I just bought a course from a birth um, coach for an up, like my upcoming birth and preparing for a home birth because there is information, there's like positions, there's like data that I want to learn and things I want to know. But that's a very different kind of, and you know, so many courses to teach you how to do certain things, schedule a launch, edit a podcast, whatever the tech logistic backend thing is, but the value, and it's not to say that's not as valuable, but it's a totally different value set than being able to get on the phone. Like it wouldn't have served you as much, Brian, if I was like, Hey, go take nail your niche or my pivoting course or any of that. You're like, no, I need like you to see me and my business and for there to be a dynamic back and forth and understanding so that you can tap in and benefit not just to the contents of the course, but the creator of the course and have all of that wisdom, knowledge, skill set information applied to your unique situation. Like the, and the value of coaching is just, that's where it really shines.
1: I want to ask a question here about the difference between one-on-one and group coaching now, because this is something that I've struggled with. I have Done. I have run groups once or twice and never gelled with running them and have gone to the model of one on one for all of my work. The problem with one on one, as you and I both know, is it's all of your time and energy. It's a tremendous amount. You can serve way less people by doing one on one because you literally Mm -hmm. only have the hours you have, whereas you can serve 10 times as many people in the same hour in a group. Now, you mostly do groups, right?
0: Correct. Yes. Okay.
1: So maybe you can help me and us understand. Imagine someone listening is thinking about getting a coach. They have the budget, whatever it is. They're looking for a coach and whatever they're looking for. And they're trying to figure out for themselves, should I be going for a one-on-one coach? Or should I be going for a group program? Would you be able to talk us through kind of how does somebody decide which is, which is better for them?
0: And I can definitely answer this from the perspective of being a client or being the person who is making the investment um, as somebody who has both invested in masterminds and private coaching consistently for five years. Um, I can also speak to it from the business owner standpoint and like scalability and building that out. So there's kind of two sets of responses here, but I'll start with what you asked about, you know, being the client. I think the first thing, the most important thing is very similar to what I said about, you know, hiring a team member is understanding the kind of support that you desire. And so, for example, the benefit of having a private coach, uh, a one-on-one mentor that you can speak to is that you have, the, and depending on the access, how many calls, is there support in between? Um, do you vibe? I mean, number one, the most important thing with a coach is do you align with their values? Do you like this person? Do you want to be... Does your nervous system feel relaxed around them? They can still trigger you, but like not to the point of like setting you into a tailspin. Like they might expand you. They might stretch you. Certain things that they do might like, ooh, like raise something for you. Um, And if we're doing our job as coaches, that should be happening a little bit. Um, But not to the point of like, making, you know, you want to push that person away. So do you feel a resonance? Do you feel like deeply trusting? Because in a coaching relationship, you are going to show up and celebrate as your most powerful, full power self. You're also going to need to show up if you want to actually get value out of it as your most vulnerable self and expose your weak spots and expose the things that are hard and not working. Expose your mindset blocks, expose the areas that you keep tripping yourself up in. Even if you know better, like You want a mentor that you can bring that all to the table with and say, hey, this is where I'm at. I'm multifaceted. This is what's going on. Um, So that's the first thing to look at. But then as far as group or private, really understand what you're looking for. If you want a container that is gone, and I use that word very intentionally. And I talk about all my offerings in the, re- in the metaphor of container. Like if you want a container that is intimate, it is just you and that person. You don't want anything additional. You just want the ability to talk to them, for them to understand your business, get in, get out kind of thing that then a private container, I think is the best fit. If you desire like a a mentor to really see you know you understand your business but you also desire um i use the term sisterhood because i mostly work with women but you desire relationship collaboration networking connection with other entrepreneurs you desire both that like exactly that that being seen and held and heard privately but also Benefiting from, you know, the true, in the true Napoleon Hill sense of the term, a mastermind, like a hive mind of multiple people and perspectives to support you in addition to just one other dot that you are in relation to, um, then a mastermind might be a great fit for you. And if you are looking for mostly information with the ability to ask questions, like a live course or group program might be a good fit for you. And you're looking at different tiers of investment.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what happened to me from the coaching side where I ended up pretty much exclusively committing to one on ones is I. I've been in group programs and I've benefited from group programs. I love the cohort. I love having a group of people around me. So I was trying to run groups thinking I love being in that. But then I realized the kind of groups I was in for what I was trying to achieve were very different from what people were actually hiring me to coach them in. Like as a speaking coach, I'm working with them on their script and their story to get to a specific talk that they have to give, whether it's TEDx or a keynote or whatever it is. And a group situation just doesn't support that totally. at all. And and I realized that when I did run groups, the only thing I could do for people in a speaking group is give them the formulas, give them examples. And then they'd have to kind of do it on their own. And then I went, yeah, but I could just film that as a course. The formula as the example. And that's what I did. I ended up filming it and going, if you want a group, this is my group. It's a course. And then you can chat with other people who've taken it if you want to. But. Um, so I guess part of it must be that the type of program it is, what you're looking to learn matters too, right?
0: A hundred percent. And I also think it's important to ask the right questions and be discerning about what the vibe of the group is. So as you mentioned, Brian, I have two, I have, I run two masterminds. One is, open to 30 women at a time. And there's two different cohorts in that group of 30. Um, and we're broken down by time zone for So like maximum 15 women on each call. Um, and then I have an inner circle, which is a much smaller group. Um, and there's different tiers of access. So the inner circle is like a hybrid of one-to-one. So they get a monthly private call with me and group calls and a group Voxer. So there's a lot more high touch Q and a responsive coaching. The first mastermind Um, we have two support coaches and myself who lead it. So this, and we have a Facebook group and the support coaches check the questions on the Facebook group daily. Um, There are two other women who are helping me hold that number of people to ensure that one of our company values, which is personalization, intimate support, like really knowing our clients, you are not just a number and like a you know, dollar sign in our in our profit and loss statement. You're you're a relationship. You're somebody that we deeply value that we want to know. Well, in order for me to hold a container of thirty women with integrity and be able to deliver on that promise, I needed to hire more support to do that. And so that mastermind's called Rise, and the Rise mastermind doesn't include. There is a private VIP option, but um, there it doesn't include any private support with me. But it includes a lot of infrastructure and support um, inside of the group setting. And so I think it's really, again, just important to understand the needs that you have and also how the container is set up to meet those needs um, that can really support you to make the best decision about an investment that you wanna make.
1: Yeah, that's great. I, I think it's really useful both as somebody listening who might, who might consider hiring a coach or a program for the first time and also for people listening that are, coaches or aspiring coaches are starting that journey to 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 get so thank you that that's actually just a really comprehensive breakdown of of the uh, the different things um i in a second i am going to ask you your your chance encounter story because that's the hook of this podcast i ask everybody to tell me a story of a chance encounter at some point in their life with lasting impact something that really really mattered uh to them or had had a long impact. But before I ask you that, I have one just quick question because we're actually coming up on both of our time here. I have one quick question, which is before you were a business coach and even before you ran away to Bali, you had a first career, which was teaching, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what level, what subject you were a teacher?
0: I was a middle and high school Spanish teacher. And um, yeah, Spanish was my major thing.
1: Cool. OK, middle and high school Spanish teacher sounds almost as exciting as what you're doing now. So now Im- now imagine that coaching as an industry disappeared off off the face of the earth and you had to go back to your first career at this point. You went back to teaching. What tools or lessons from being a coach would you bring back into the classroom as a teacher?
0: Mm. Oh, Brian, I'm like, mm mm. I'm not going back. (laughs) I'm having a ton of (laughs) resistance to this exercise. Um, I'm like, I thought you were going to say if you couldn't um, be a coach, what would you want to be? And I was like, oh, I can't wait to answer that one. Um, well I'd I'd be I,
1: interested in that, but I'm really curious if you had to go back to teaching because teaching and coaching don't feel they feel like they shouldn't be so different. No, it's what just, would you They're bring not. Into they're it?
0: actually they're not. And I think part of the reason that coaching was a once I got out of my own way, was a natural transition for me is because there is a ton of overlap. Um I, the resistance, honestly, is just to not wanting to teach middle and high schoolers. Like, they smell bad and they're like, it's just a totally different, there's so many hormones. I'm like, especially now as a mom, I'm like, no, I no. But what I would bring to answer your question is um, really just like a mindset. I think, okay, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I remember in, I think in my first year of teaching, needing to teach high school, I think it was my senior class or it was one of my upper level classes and I had to teach about the Spanish civil war and I knew nothing about the Spanish civil war. I became fluent in Spanish after living with farmers in rural Costa Rica, running a nonprofit, just like on the ground campesino, like very just, that was where I learned my Spanish was in the context of relationships, but couldn't have been farther from like old Spain, what happened in like España, like it was just not what I knew. But I felt so much imposter syndrome, Brian. Here I was, like, four years older than these kids, like, just knowing that, like, all my high school boys were, like, checking me out and just being like, oh, my God, that's so embarrassing. But I don't know, I don't know shit about the Spanish Civil War. So I remember feeling so much anxiety. Like, this is probably interesting because I don't have anxiety at all anymore. But I used to have, like, really crippling anxiety and I... Stayed up one night till literally three in the morning, Googling, Wikipedia, printing, highlighting, so that I knew every fact, every detail, like could memorize and deliver. Like I was prepared, I was ready, armed with information for anything that they were going to ask me about the Spanish Civil War. And do you want to know? Like we might have talked about the Spanish Civil War slightly. The value of the class that I went into extremely exhausted the next day was actually about presence. What Like the thing that made the great lesson was not all the information and all the data and being equipped to be perfect and impeccable. It was how available was I to connect with these kids? How available was I to actually teach them what really mattered? Not some fact that all of us have forgotten, but to really relate to them. So I would bring with me the knowledge and the knowing and it's the exact same thing that i've learned in coaching it is not about perfection it is not about having um you know this like impermeable image that is going to keep you safe it's about how dropped in are you how available are you how present are you um which actually the more that i'm saying it makes me more open to going back to teaching because i would probably (laughs) prepare way fewer lessons
1: (laughs) That's, that's so great. It's such a great answer. And, and it's a great segue into kind of the, the closing this out here with the, the big question of your chance encounter story, because you mentioned relationships there a couple of times and how important they are. Do you, do you have a story in your mind, some person you met at some point, whether they stuck, stuck in your life or they didn't and just changed you in some way?
0: Oh my God. I mean, I literally, there's no other story that I can tell, but the story of meeting Toby, my husband. Um, I talk about a chance encounter. So, and I'll try to make this quick, but in 2017, right after my yoga training, I had a ticket to Thailand, ready to leave after Bali. I kept my last couple days in Bali after the training intentionally open. The women, some of the women in the program that I was in were like, "Hey, we're going down to the beach. Do you want to come?" Sure. Yeah, book me a spot. Like, no worries, I'll be there. Um, And it just so I didn't even know the name of the beach we were going to. Meanwhile, and I found all this out afterwards, obviously, Toby had flown back to Bali where he was living. He's Australian, but he'd been living in Bali as an expat for a little while, flew back from his brother's wedding literally the night before, lived in a town called Ubud, the town, the beach town we were in was like two hours away from there, Um, called his friend the next morning, the morning that we met uh, from Ubud, from his place and said, Hey, Simon, like, I'm going to come down to the beach today. I just like, he was going to go down in a week or so, but Ubud, he said was like rainy that morning. And he just called, he was like, I've got a feeling I'm going to meet someone. And Simon's like, yeah, yeah, bro, whatever. Um, just come. And so Toby went down to the beach, just had arrived back from Australia from his brother's wedding. Um, and I didn't even know what town I was going to. And I went down to the beach to go for, I was supposed to do a photo shoot with a friend. She ended up getting a massage. And so I went down by myself to just go for a walk on the beach. And as I was walking back, there was this group of guys sitting around a table, all getting like a massage from this Balinese woman with like this big thing of aloe. And I just like looked at them and said hi. And... It was just so interesting, Brian. I had just done for context, like a 30 day women's Shakti initiation empowerment training. I used to live in Western Massachusetts in like the most feminist town you can imagine where like a guy says hi to you and hits on you. You're like, fuck you, you know, but I just, (laughs) I was completely open to just, oh, they're just like saying hi, hi. Like I was so in my center. I was so in my power. I was just like, if this is weird, I'll leave. But it's not weird. They're actually really cool. So I sat down. And one of those guys was Toby. And to make a long story short, we ended up going to the same restaurant later that night. He came up and greeted me, greeted all my friends. I was like, this guy's different. And I ended up staying there. They sat at the table right behind me. Um, And they ended up staying later. I ended up staying with them moved over to their table, as all great marriages do start with. um, He ordered lots of frozen margaritas for all of us. And um, it just turned into this most like something out of a Nicholas Sparks novel. We went down and like (laughs) skinny dipped in the ocean. He was like showing me the Southern Cross in the sky. And I just remember looking at him and being like what is happening like but the chances of us meeting were so I I mean I could cry just telling the story and to know like we have a daughter and a second on the way and we'll have been together seven years in four days actually that's the anniversary of us meeting um it, it is just it's one of those things that makes you realize that there is more magic at play and more synchronicity and serendipity and benevolence that is guiding us exactly where we need to go than we could ever try to control or do ourselves. So that that's got to take the cake that one.
1: It's fantastic. And I love that guy. And I miss you. And I miss you both. (laughs) It's been a long it's been a long time since we've seen each other in the in the real world. That's a it's a beautiful story. Before I ask you kind of the sign off question here, where do you want people to find you connect with you uh, on the interwebs?
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. It's great to be on. Um, Instagram is the best place, guys. I'm at Kate Scudder, Kate with a C. You can also find me at katecait.co or on my podcast, Born to Rise, which is on Spotify and iTunes and all the good places.
1: Fantastic. So close us out here. Most of my listeners are young professionals, 25, uh, kind of 22 to 35, early stage of their careers, Although recently I've seen a growing contingent of folks closer to retirement age, maybe looking to make a change in their in their life or career. What one piece of advice would you give to somebody who's just trying to build something sustainable for themselves and in an increasingly unpredictable world?
0: Don't be afraid to take risks, um, which, you know, based on my TED Talk, is not surprising that that's the piece of advice, but truly... Um, Risk is where it's at, you guys. Um, I, I think, as you say, Brian, this is an increasingly unpredictable world. To expect to quote unquote play safe and take make low risk decisions and see high yielding return results, um, you're just kicking your ki- you're kicking your what you desire down the line, and you're kidding yourself that that's how to get there. I truly know that everything from that story I just shared with you about meeting my husband to Um, to building the company that I have today, all of those really the most beautiful things that I have in my life and that I'm able to celebrate are the result of taking risks without a guarantee. And I'll add as a caveat to this piece of advice, become your own promissory note. You are not going to get a promissory note from the universe, from a coach you invest in from a a new, you know, career pathway that you decide to pursue that it's going to work, you are going to be the person that makes it work. So decide, take the risk and really back yourself with everything that you've got because there's no way for you to fail when you do that.
1: That's such a great way to close it out. Kate, your TEDx talk is rising. Is a risk, do it anyway. Links in the show notes. You, we didn't talk about it at all because it drives me crazy when people ask me all about my TEDx talk when it's public, <laughs> when I'm on a podcast. So obviously go listen to Kate's talk. Kate, thank you so much for spending uh, the time with us. And uh, this is just lovely and uh, good luck with uh, the final trimester and everything that's to come.
0: Thank you so much, Brian. It's so great to be here.